Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Back at a Chuck Reese show. Hanging out in the Kia studios on this Tuesday night with you. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Well, Hawks get a much-needed win last night. As Quinn Snyder said, look, a win in this league is a win in this league. Um, listen, doesn't matter if you beat a team that has now lost 24 straight. You take every win that you can get in the NBA. So let's head out to the wadefort.com hotline. Let's talk to our buddy Brad Rowland. He, of course, is the host of the Locked On Hawks podcast, a, a daily podcast about everything the Atlanta Hawks. You can follow Brad on his personal Twitter page, at BT Rowland. And as always, Brad, Appreciate a few minutes uh, on the show this evening. It's my pleasure. Happy to do it anytime. So, uh, Brad, I can have this discussion with you because we'll have a, a rational discussion and things like that, okay? But if you're telling me, and I'm not trying to diminish what Jalen Johnson means to this team, but after a 4-2 and two start, they're 7-13, and 13, I believe, from, from that point. And a lot of folks point to what Jalen Johnson means to this team. And I get he's he's been a really good offensive player. He's your best wing defender. I get all of that. But if you're telling me that a team that has a max extension guy and a super max player where there's only 13, 14, 15 of those guys in the NBA and a couple of all, you know, NBA players – that a guy who has six career starts going into this season, he must be the biggest wins above replacement guy in the history. Forget Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell. He's got to be the biggest wins above replacement guy based upon what folks are telling me. Yeah, I, I totally get your point. Uh, obviously, it is a real loss. Jalen Johnson is a very, very impactful two-way player, but it does, to your point, kind of, expose some of the potential weaknesses of this team. I mean, you shouldn't be in a position where if you're going to lose one guy, um, albeit an important player, for not that long. I mean, it's, only, it's been a few weeks. It's not crazy by the length of an NBA injury. And, you know, there are other pieces of context. This guy's been difficult. All this stuff, I can give you all the talking points if you want me to. But uh, I agree with the general premise. Like, it is a loss, but it shouldn't be a situation where you go from being in a team that's in pretty good shape to, you know, before last night losing what eight out of 10 games or something like that without Jalen Johnson. So uh, he is important, but it does kind of reveal some of the depth, some of the size flaws that they have, and especially on defense. So, you know, to that point, um, you know, and look, I, I, I understand the off season. I, I never thought they were going to make any kinds of big moves. They, they moved on from John Collins and, and Brad, I, I think you may or may not agree, with me, but that's a salary dump. I mean, that that's yeah. that's get below the luxury tax. And I get all that, and I understand that. And I understand being below the luxury tax and not being there just for the sake of being there. But if you're going to sell me on, hey, we're going to run these guys back because they had time with Quinn Snyder, and he's had 
last year and the spring and summer and training camp and all that, then you can't be 11 and 15 a third of the way through the season and barely hanging on to one of the last play-in spots. Like, I, I just, again, I, I, I look at their roster as, as fundamentally flawed, and I don't know what that flaw is besides size, but you can't sell me on, well, we've got our coach now and everything's going to be great, and then you come out a third of the way through the season, four games below 500. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Yeah, I, I totally understand. And it's one of those things where it's been a, it's been a multi-year process. Not only, and first of all, I do agree with you on the John Collins thing. That was a pure salary dump, and they could say whatever they want to say. That was, that's what that was. And the year before, they trade Kevin Herter in a deal that wasn't quite as pure of a salary dump, but made their team worse. And that's two years in a row. They've traded a you know, top five, six, seven player on the roster and gotten basically nothing back for that player in terms of actual player value in the present. And it's hard to keep doing that year over year to save money without hurting your team. And, yes, they went out and got Sadiq Bay last year at the deadline. That was a good move on the cheap, and it was a good way to upgrade your roster. But big picture, turning Kevin Herter and John Collins in the short term into Sadiq Bay is going to make your team worse. And, yeah, I mean, would, would they be a title contender with, with John Collins and Kevin Herter? No, they wouldn't be. But they'd be better than this. And they've also let their mid-level exception just kind of sit there. They didn't really use that to upgrade their roster. There's lots of nerdy things I can, I can sort of account for. But this is a team that's not improved itself in terms of the actual player base in about a year and a half, two years. And, yeah, Quinn Snyder is an upgrade at coach, and they, they sort of banked on that. But and you, you, know, and you also don't want to overreact to a short sample size, but when you kind of come out of these two years of play-in teams and you start this way, it's going to create, and they have to know this, it's going to create some, you know, some, I don't know, frustration, especially from the fan base, like when you're going to be kind of just this team again, it seems like. And they, I, I think that they're probably better than this is the big picture, but the results are what they are. Brad Rowland from Locked on Hawks podcast, a daily podcast about the Atlanta Hawks, joining me here on the WadeFord.com hotline. And, and, and I'll, I'll say this, Brad, um, and again, I, I'm, I'm, I know I'm a little bit emotional about this, but when you, you brought a coach in, Quinn Snyder, last year, okay, and you sold me on the idea that, hey, it's not about this year, it's not about winning, it's about him evaluating the roster, it's about him learning, it's about him installing his system. And you go through all of that in the playoffs against Boston and all that kind of stuff. And then you go through your draft and your free agent period. And you go through summer league. And then you go into fall camp. And now you're a third of the way through the season. Okay? At what point does it have to start? Does the, does the switch have to start coming on? Or it has to flip? Like something has to give here, whether it's change up the roster or whatever, because, again, if you're selling me on the idea of not worrying about winning and it, we're going to wait till this point, you're still not winning, right? I mean, you're still, you're still in a funk. Yeah, that, that's, it's all fair. And, you know, the one thing you could say is that this current front office regime, the combination of Landry Field, Kyle Corver, and now Quinn Snyder, has not really made a big sweeping change to the roster. Yes, they trade John Collins, but that was kind of – multiple years coming it was always going to kind of kind of end that way with the way it was going 
and they added on the margins with, with Bay, et cetera. And I think that they are maybe just trying to figure out which direction to go, not necessarily buying or selling that linear, but I think that the next change will certainly be a more drastic one with the roster. And I think it's going to be, you know, maybe it's not going to be Trey Young. It's going to be you know, somebody else, somebody else on, on the margins, but it's not going to be a, a situation where they can, especially if they don't win more games, you know, if they're, let's just say they're 500 in a couple of months when the deadline arrives, you know, I'm not sure it's going to be in season, but by the time you get to the summer, you can't possibly do this again. If, if, if you're back in the play-in again for the third straight season, Tony Rester is not a guy who's known for his patience. Like, there's no way they're going to keep just kind of, you know, churning with this exact roster. So it's going to have to be a bigger change. I think they, they have their brain trust in place now with Quinn, who they've invested a lot in. I think he's a good coach. So it's going to have to be the players that change, and uh, we'll see how it's sort of drastic that they, they all things. So do you think that if things kind of stay status quo, I'm not even looking at the trade deadline. Like, does something need to happen sooner? I, I'm, and again, I'm not saying push a panic button or or, or get freaked out, but – you can't keep, you know, again, it was 25% of the way. Now it's a third of the season, you know, and we keep hitting these benchmarks of, okay, well, we're still in the same spot. Like, I don't want to wait until the trade deadline if this thing isn't working out. Go make a move if you can find one sooner than later. Yeah, and I do get that. I mean, the part, honestly, the reality is it's not like a satisfying thing to say, but the reality is in the NBA – the vast majority of trades in season happen within like a 10 day period. Right. And it's usually right, right before the deadline. So like, it's not, it's not unprecedented for, go, for a deal to happen now, but it's, it's very rare, especially for a major type of transaction. That's going to like really alter your team. And you know, often it's kind of pushed by injuries or something like that. And yes, Jalen's been out, but um, it would be more of the exception to the rule than the rule for them to make a deal this early. But I'm not saying they shouldn't do that. I mean, I'm sure that they've been active, but I, they would be not doing their jobs. If they were not making calls already. You know, a lot of the league right now, is actually in Orlando at the G League Showcase, which is more of like a more like a conference of the league versus actually on on the court stuff. So maybe that'll come out of that. But yeah, I I, I do understand. Like if you look at the standings and you're 11 15, the sky's not falling. Your like your season's not over in the way that like some teams are. Like if you're Memphis and you're kind of just like drawing dead now, the Hawks are fine. The Hawks are in the you know nine ten spot. That's not where they want to be. But you could sort of talk yourself into patience if you wanted to. So I think they're more likely to do something in a couple, in maybe a, a month or a month or so from now than they are in the next week or two. But uh, you know, it wouldn't shock me either if they sort of looked around, especially with, with the way that Tony likes to kind of do things and uh, you know be um, not necessarily the most patient guy in the world. Like they might want to just go ahead and move now. So we know that offensively they can score with anybody in the NBA. Like they're they're an elite offensive unit. But obviously they're a you know a disaster you know right now defensively and and again I know Jalen Johnson and he's the best wing I get all of that but is it too simplistic to just say hey they need to better play better defense and that will fix a lot of things is that is that too simplistic or do you think that there are other issues that are underlying the lack of success for this team? Certainly the big issue is, is the defense in general. And without Jalen, they do have uh, – listen, even with Jalen, they have personnel issues defensively, in my right. opinion. The, the personnel is not good enough defensively. And you could certainly argue, and I probably would, that they should, be, that they should have been better than this to this point on, on the floor defensively. But look, before the season started, the path for the Hawks to be good this year was elite offense and just enough defense. No one was arguing, including me, that they had the talent to be a top-10 defense. They, they, they just don't. So you're, you're kind of hoping to not be 25th. You want to be, you know, 18th on defense, something like that, which is kind of, you know, that's an arbitrary number. But they're trying a little bit of different things with Johnson out. You know, Quinn's been saying, 
that necessity is the mother of invention because they've, they've kind of had to play the two centers together uh, for the first time in four years. Akongo like and Cabela have been playing together, and that's actually kind of worked a decent amount on defense. That's helped them. But I really do think big picture, small picture, long-term, short-term, they don't have enough defensive talent to be as good as you have to be to be a contender on that, on that end of the floor. And that's kind of the area that I always focus on. I'm certainly partial to defense in general. But if you go sort of player by player, it's not always as simple, but like they just don't have enough guys who I would describe as above average defenders. And that's going to bite you eventually. And, you know, I, one of the things I, I talked about with some folks before the start of the season is I was very curious to see kind of how they use Clint Capella and Anyaka Okongwu as far as minutes distribution. And, you know, they're about, what, like a minute and a half, you know, of playing time, you know, from one another. I think Clint's about 25, 26 minutes, and Okongwu's 24, 25 minutes or whatever. So, I mean, it's been close. As this season moves along, and, you know, again, obviously Clint Capella has had plenty of beat-up factor and beat-up issues and stuff like that. Do you think that that number starts to turn in Okongwu's favor as far as he's playing more than Clint? Or do you think that it's going to stay at an equal kind of distribution throughout the season? I think with how they're playing recently, it's probably going to stay about where it is. Maybe they both go up. That's the one pathway. Like they, like I said, they've been playing them more together. Mm-hmm. Not a ton, but that kind of allows Okongwu to play more minutes without having to play Clint West, if that makes sense. Because I think that if you're trying to fix your defense, playing Capella less isn't going to do that. He's one of your better defenders. Right. So it's it's kind of a, you know, and Congo has more versatility. He can play next to Capella at the, at the four some. Um, I, I've long thought this. I, I think that they are way more likely to trade Capella than they are to have him come off the bench or to have him play a smaller role. I think he's he's almost too good to play a smaller role. And I, I'm, not, I'm not saying he's this incredible player. He's just, not, he's just a solid veteran guy. But I think that they're still probably more likely to trade him and kind of move on and, and then hand the reins to, to, to a Kongwu than it is for those guys to like flip roles. I think they're kind of going to be in this similar in, in a similar spot. And really, the way to have a Kongwu play more is to get him more on, on the court with Clint, which they've tried and it's kind of working. Uh, I said last question, but I want to ask you one one quick <laughs> other question. Um, it, it's been a miserable start for AJ Griffin, and um, you know, obviously, not a lot of minutes. Um, the shooting has been poor. Three-point shooting has not been very good. What's the problem? Like, what what's the biggest problem for AJ Griffith? Is it sophomore slump, or where where are we with him? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think on the floor, his defense is kind of uh, is, is a problem on a team that already has defensive problems, which I think probably leads to him playing less because they just don't think that he can be great on that end of the floor right now. And I think the shooting isn't really a concern for me. He's proven at, at every lower level, and even last year in the NBA, he's going to be a good shooter. I don't really worry about that. I know he's been gone for the last four or five games for personal reasons, and I don't, I don't know what that is. But it's just, yeah, to your point, it's kind of just been a lost season so far for AJ. And that, that doesn't mean that he's like a guy that you give up on at this point, but it's not what they wanted. And I think that, you know, going into year two, especially, again, he had a really, really good, encouraging rookie season, especially when you compare yeah. guys to his, at his age. So um, I'm kind of holding firm on my AJ Griffin stock. But certainly, um, you know, defensively, it's not been great. And then the shooting is kind of what it is. But I think that uh, ho- hopefully he will come out of that. And I think that as he plays more and more, he'll get more comfortable again. Brad Rowland, he is the host of the Locked on Hawks podcast. You can hear him every day on that uh, podcast. Uh, and you can find that on all your favorite podcast platforms. Follow him on his personal Twitter page, at BT Rowland. And he joined me here on the waitfor.com hotline. Brad, my friend, always appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for a few minutes uh, on the show. And we will chat again here soon. Thanks for having me. You got it. When we get back from the top of the hour, we'll be the Falcons flyover. We'll hear from the head coach. We'll hear from the owner. 
who sat down with Jeff Hollinger. The Falcons are going to the Super Bowl. I love Jeff, though. I, I love Jeff Hollinger, the whole man. I remember him on 96 Rock with Christopher Rude. Uh, was it Beth? Southside Steve? And that whole crew. Do you remember that, Oren? Remember some of those names, yes. Okay. But you don't even remember, you don't remember listening to that show on 96 Rock. I did the Gary McKee Hometown Radio Show. I wasn't 96 oh, okay. Rock. Yeah, all him right. and uh, Munson and Trevor and all of them, yes. And, and, they, and he pushed Bo Bach out of the way? I didn't know he pushed Bobak out the way oh, no, there, was, too. No, sorry. That was Brad Nessler. Yeah, that was Brad Nessler on, on the, the, uh, on the uh, ESPN audio, on the ESPN uh, uh, demo tape. So, anyways. All right. Falcons fly over top of the hour. Chuck Reed and Key Studios. Sports Radio. And it's in the game. The Odyssey.com app.